41. I've had some big things happen to me in my lifetime. My parents got divorced and remarried other people. We moved from suburban Minneapolis to rural Minnesota. I left for college, out of state. I moved to Spain for a year. Then I moved to France, where I learned a new language, a new culture, and made a life for myself from scratch. In France, I fell in love, and after six years together, I very nearly had that love snatched away. After his long hospital stay and the hardest months of our lives, when it was clear he would make it, we said, let's have a baby. It was a way of turning the page, embracing life and starting a new chapter. Other friends our age were having babies, and some confided how hard it was. We would smile sympathetically, but then give each other a knowing look. Hard? We know about hard. And having a baby isn't hard. During my pregnancy, I read John Irving's A Prayer for Owen Meany. There's a passage describing new parents. A few houses down Front Street lived a young couple with a new baby. Front Street was not much of a street for young couples, and the street had only one new baby. The couple cruised the neighborhood with the air of an entirely novel species, as if they were the first couple in New Hampshire to have given birth. Owen shrieked so loudly when we played football that the young father or mother from down the street would fretfully appear, popping up over a hedge to ask us if we could keep our voices down, because of the baby. <laughs> I remember chuckling at that part, and then reading on from my picnic blanket in the sun in Les Buttes Chaumont Park. Six months later, we welcomed our little boy. We sent out an SMS to our circle of friends, announcing his name, weight, and the exact time of his birth. It's a funny tradition, but I understand the desire. Elliot was born at 5.29 a.m. on February 3, 2013. That is the exact instant he joined the world. Included in the recipients of that SMS was my yoga teacher at the time. She'd recently given birth to her second child, and we'd done prenatal yoga and birth preparation together. She replied to me, Welcome to the parenting conspiracy. Welcome to the parenting conspiracy? What did that mean? As the weeks and months went by, Bruno and I came up with multiple interpretations. We noticed that baby Elliot was incredibly cute whenever we were with childless friends. He'd spend the entire afternoon crying, bussing, refusing to nap, and then a friend without kids would stop by, and he'd start cooing and batting his eyelashes. Our friend would say, oh my god, he is the cutest baby ever. Bruno and I would look at each other and mouth, parenting conspiracy. Then sometimes we'd be in the middle of a burnt dinner, baby crying so loud you can't hear yourself think, water leaking all over from the mini baby bathtub, plus do we have any more diapers because the store is closed now? And above the fray, Bruno would shout, nobody told us. And I'd shout back, parenting conspiracy. Nobody told us was something we said a lot after becoming parents. People don't seem to really tell it like it is. They don't share the hard stuff, not the really hard stuff. People complain about diapers and 5 a.m. starts to the day. They don't say that when they went out to pick up some milk, they had a barely repressible urge to just keep driving and never look back. And honestly, people don't tell you about the good stuff either. Not the really good stuff. We get modest about our happiness. We don't openly talk about the ferocity, the sheer magnitude of the love we feel for our children. A love so bright and white hot that it pierces us to the core. 
a love we'd give our lives for, in an instant. After Elliot was born, and now and again throughout the years, I've thought back to that passage of John Irving's. Parenthood is so ubiquitous. It's what humans have been doing since the dawn of time. Yet when it happens to you, it feels so huge and so personal, it's hard to imagine that anyone else has ever done it before. I felt like yelling, hey, all you other parents, do you know about this? Is it this hard and this wonderful for you too? Why didn't you tell us? The parenting conspiracy, maybe. Or maybe we just don't know how to put something so momentous and so simple into words. It's the oldest human story, but when it happens to us, it feels so new. I'm part of a Facebook group associated with Mothers Who Make, a UK-based network for mothers who are artists. Someone posted recently saying she wanted to sing more to her baby, but that her repertoire was lacking and she needed some inspiration. She asked if anyone had favorite lullabies, and lo and behold, she quickly received 126 replies. There were some classics, as well as some crossover on songs I'd never thought to sing, like Feed the Birds from Mary Poppins. What a sweet one. And there were many surprises. Tender by Blur, Three Little Birds by Bob Marley, Yoshimi Battles the Pink Robots by The Flaming Lips, These Arms of Mine by Otis Redding. I couldn't help imagining all those darkened bedrooms, mothers sitting on the floor with their heads on their child's pillow, curled up in toddler beds, holding babies in their arms as they rock them and sing. Elliot, at age eight, often calls me back to his room for one last kiss and asks me to sing to him. He has a lofted bed, so I climb up the ladder and rest my head next to his on his pillow. I breathe in the smell of his hair and sing softly, a song from my childhood, and join the ranks of all the moms and dads in the eight o'clock hour, quietly singing in the dark. Mm-hmm.